listening to another episode of State of the Nation. David Hoffman and I are really excited to bring you this special episode. We are talking about the crypto economy and more specifically, the question that's on all of your minds, which is how do you get a job in the crypto economy? We've got an expert here to talk all about that. David, how are you doing today? Absolutely fantastic, Ryan. Another great week to be in the world of crypto. We've been beating this drum on the Bankless program for a while. There's a new world out there in crypto, and we need to build this world. Therefore, there needs to be people searching for jobs. Uh, and so that's something that, that I believe in. And our guest, Rob, uh, has dedicated his whole career to, to building this out. And so I'm excited to, to talk to Rob today and, and to talk about how we can get people to enter the world of crypto in a professional capacity. Yeah, guys, if this is your first state of the nation, we talk about what's happening in the world of crypto. We try to relate it to big picture stuff, and then we try to drop some insight and action items for you. So I think the topic here is super relevant, which is the economy, the crypto economy. How do you get a job in the crypto economy? And we'll have some takeaways about how to brush up your crypto resume, what sort of opportunities you can look for, and uh, and the how of that. Um, this comes at you every Tuesday. We live stream it on YouTube. We also broadcast it on the Bankless podcast on Wednesdays. Um, David, we should talk about a few things that are new in the Bankless Nation. First up, our episode with Hasu, just simply titled EIP. 1559 no special title because that's all it needs eip 1559 yeah we went through every single thing that makes eip 1559 eip 1559 it's not just the thing that burns eth that people know it to be but it also is a slack mechanism it's also a better ux system it's also a gas management uh, system it's also a MEV mitigator. Uh, there's a lot of different things that make up EIP-1559, and Hazu particularly has been really spearheading this effort, getting EIP-1559 integrated into the Ethereum protocol. So we brought him on to just go through the, do a complete canonical episode as what is this thing? And then we finish up with the conversation I think will get everyone really excited, which is how does EIP-1559 impact the monetary policy of Ether, the asset, in the security of Ethereum. Uh, and so it is a, a you, you can go from zero to 100 about EIP 1559 with that episode. I think everyone in crypto, if you're investing in crypto, you owe it to yourself to understand what EIP 1559 is. If you know about the halvening, the Bitcoin halvening, mm -hmm. you, you should also know about EIP 1559. Absolutely. So check out that episode. Just came out Wednesday, uh, just came out Monday. Mm -hmm. We're also tomorrow, David, we're recording with Hayden Adams. Yep. Hayden Adams of Uniswap. This is a long awaited episode about a year in the making. Mm -hmm. We got Mark Cuban on before we got Hayden Adams, but now we're getting Hayden Adams on. Mm -hmm. David, what are we going to ask him? Oh, every single possible question. We asked for <laughs> yes, we, are. we asked for extra time with Hayden. And so we were going to record with him last Friday, but we kicked it out to this Wednesday so we could get just some extra minutes with him. We're going through the complete history of Uniswap all the way from before Uniswap was Uniswap to where we are today with Uniswap V3 and what's coming down the pipeline with Optimism. I'm really excited to have that conversation. Uh, if I can edit this video as fast as possible, then perhaps that video goes on the Bankless YouTube Wednesday evening. Question mark? Maybe, 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 maybe. Stay David's tuned. David's putting some pressure Ooh. on himself. Yeah, <laughs> I like that, Dave. <laughs> I'm saying maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you heard it. Maybe, maybe, definitely. <laughs> the evening of Wednesday. Um, David, this this whole conversation is going to be about jobs in the crypto mm -hmm. economy. 
Speaking of jobs, mm -hmm. the Bankless Nation is hiring. Mm -hmm. what, what, what are we looking for? What kind of talent are we looking for? So much, so much. We need a website, first off. We need a like the homepage of Bankless. There's so many different streams. Uh, we have Bankless YouTube, Bankless Podcast, the newsletter, articles, apparel. Uh, we need a place for that to live. And so if you think that you can design the coolest ever Bankless homepage, we are looking for designers. Uh, and we're also looking for graphic artists who can make uh, dope uh, images just icons, whatever, for, for to put on t-shirts, you know, apparel, stuff of, of this nature, but then also for uh, digital art because we are trying to grow the world of bankless culture and crypto culture. Uh, and so if you think that you can fit those bills, come drop us a line at applications at uh, banklesshq.com. That's applications at banklesshq.com if you can help us out with that. And please help us out because I designed the original like Bankless <laughs> HQ homepage and it is terrible. We don't talk please. about it. <laughs> we don't talk about it very often because it's so bad. Um, David, speaking mm -hmm. of which, I'm going to ask you the question mm -hmm. that I always ask you the question at the start of these episodes, which is what is the state of the nation today, sir? Yeah, the state of the nation is hiring. As an ecosystem, we are hiring, which is why we've brought on the, our guest, Rob, who is, le again, leading the charge to helping matchmake between candidates and employers, right? There is, and this employment world, this world of, of crypto labor and crypto is very different from the legacy world. There's a ton of capital and not a lot of labor, uh, which means that like good candidates are extremely scarce. And that means that that's beneficial for you if you are trying to find a job in crypto, like perhaps that perhaps the advantage is on, is on your side due to how much capital there is out there. Uh, these are questions that we're going to ask Rob. Um, and then also as well, like we said, the Bankless Nation is actually literally hiring. We are we are literally hiring people. Uh, and so uh, in all respects, there is there's money out there to be found by people that can contribute labor to this ecosystem. And so we're trying to figure out a ways to get this world employed. Let's let's get this done. Absolutely. Crypto economy, it has the capital at this point in time, definitely has the need to build infrastructure and all it needs is the labor. Are you going to be part of that labor is the question. And how do you plug into that uh, is going to be the topic of today's conversation. We're going to come back with Rob Payone in just a minute. But before we get to the episode, we want to tell you about the fantastic sponsors that made this possible. Guys, we've entered a bull market. Now is the time to start building your crypto empire, and you should do it on Gemini. Gemini is the world's most trusted cryptocurrency exchange. It's available in 50 countries, supports more than 30 crypto assets, including DeFi tokens like DAI, Aave, Uni, and YFI. I love their DeFi token support. You can buy crypto safely and securely on Gemini's mobile app or their exchange. You can know that your assets are protected with industry-leading security. And they're not only protected, they're also insured. I've been a loyal Gemini user since 2016. The Winklevoss twins are the founders. They've been on the podcast. They believe in the bankless vision. They are helping to onboard the world. So get ready for the bull market. Open a free account in less than three minutes at gemini.com slash go bankless and get $15 after you trade $100 or more within the first 30 days. That's gemini.com slash go bankless. Aave is a borrowing and lending protocol on Ethereum and just recently released Aave version two, which has a ton of cool new features that makes using Aave even more powerful. With Aave, you can leverage the full power of DeFi money Legos, yield and composability all in one application. 
on Aave, there are a ton of assets that you can deposit in order to gain yield. And all of those same assets can also be borrowed from the protocol if you have deposited collateral. Here you can see me getting a 200 USDC loan against my portfolio of a number of different DeFi tokens and ETH. I'll choose a variable interest rate because it's a lower rate than the stable interest rate option, but I could choose the stable interest rate option if I wanted to lock that interest rate in permanently. One of Aave's V2 features is the ability to swap collateral without having to withdraw your assets, trade them on Uniswap, and then deposit them back into Aave. Aave does all of this for you, all in one seamless transaction, so you don't have to repay loans in order to change the collateral you have backing them. Check out the power of Aave at Aave.com. That's A-A-V-E.com. All right, Bankless Nation, we are here with Rob Payone, who was once known as Crypto Bobby and ran a very successful YouTube channel in the height of the 2017-2018 Cryptomania. Uh, and it, I, I appreciated Crypto Bobby because it was a very sober and well-informed and highly entertaining uh, YouTube channel. Uh, and in the, the sea of shit that was just 2017, uh, it was a nice little oasis to, to escape to. So Crypto, Bo Crypto Bobby, I appreciated that. But you are no longer Crypto Bobby. Uh, rebrand. Yeah, complete rebrand. <laughs> uh, and so something pulled Crypto Bobby away from the world of crypto content produ uh, production to turn him into Rob Payone. And that opportunity was recruiting and matchmaking for hiring companies and candidates in the crypto space. So Rob, now that you have proof of talent, which has become one of the most successful crypto matchmaking firms in the entire space. So Rob, tell us about this decision to move away from crypto content production and into the world of uh, you know recruiting and matchmaking. Yeah, so I guess you know at, at a high level, like my first job out of college was in recruiting. Uh, I did that for a few years and ended up working in, in software sales for a while. And I've towards the tail end of my time, I was selling ERP software, which is like business management accounting software to fintech firms uh, at Oracle. Um, and I was doing that and I had a literally a spare Blue Yeti mic that I had purchased. And <laughs> I just threw out a video on YouTube like in August of 2017 and the whole thing just snowballed. It was like really lucky timing. And I was still, I was working from home for my, my software sales job. And it, the YouTube channel just kind of blew up and got like really popular really quick. And I had honestly no idea what I was doing half the time. I was just kind of having fun with it and just t talking through what was happening, what was going on and got somewhat lucky. And I think this is also kind of indicative of, of crypto jobs and taught me a lot as far as that process went, uh, but ended up getting a job at uh, AirSwap. So I, I kind of worked in growth and biz dev at AirSwap uh, and it was really helpful to understand kind of like what was happening within the industry and build a lot of connections. And through that time at AirSwap towards the towards the kind of tail end, it was uh, like May of, of 2019, just really had the idea to start a recruiting firm in the blockchain and crypto space. Kind of thought it was a good marriage of my experience previously in recruiting, the knowledge and connections I had in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space. And then my, my sales background kind of thought, like if I put the three together, I might actually have something. And before I left my role at AirSwap, I kind of networked with a few different people in the space uh, that were running their own companies was kind of asking around like what what's the biggest challenge and almost every single person even back in 2019 was saying like hiring is really really difficult it's impossible for us so i was like if i started this would you maybe you know want to be a customer of mine and a few people said yes and it kind of snowballed from there 
So th that makes me, uh, that reminds me of just, uh, you know, kind of building out my, my two side gigs before, um, before I really went full-time into crypto, like POV crypto, my first podcast was my side gig while I was going down like the healthcare route. And I didn't really leave that traditional world until I knew that, you know, this, the whole crypto thing could actually support me if I did jump into that. So b before you actually, you know, f dedicated your time to proof of talent full-time, did you feel that security or did it feel kind of like a risk? Like how, what assurances did you have that this was actually going to work out? There, there were no insurances. Uh, <laughs> I would say that, I mean, it was, it was definitely a risk. I had a little bit of savings ready to go, but it was, it was definitely a nerve wracking time because from the time I graduated college, I graduated in 2012. Um, so I had a job lined up and I started working two weeks after I graduated up until the time I left AirSwap in June of 2019. I've always had a full-time salaried position throughout that, like throughout that period, I've always been like kind of entrepreneurial. Like I started the YouTube channel. I had done some things before then where I was always trying to make like a side hustle, but I had never been to a point where I was fully like, I guess, unemployed or self-employed. And so that was a, that was a big like risk for me, but I kind of felt like, you know, if there's a time worth doing it, it's, it's right now. And, and I would have regretted if I didn't do it. So the way that I've I've positioned this in my head is like we have this this legacy world where most most of the businesses that could be made have have already been made. Uh, and that's just kind of just the nature of the, this legacy world. It's already existed for so long. And crypto is the opposite where there's so much to be made we actually really just don't know what the limitations are on what can be built therefore my mind goes to well there's going to be an, a need for a lot of labor to come build this whole new space uh which means that the the opportunity the job market opportunity is perhaps massive is that how you kind of see things as well yeah that was that's definitely how i see things now and also kind of how i looked at things back then too when i was when i was starting it like i looked around and I think the the industry as a as as a whole now is obviously massive. And 2019 was still like really large, but uh, there were a number of different I think like you know service providers for the space, and nobody that really kind of came to front of mind when you would think about recruiting or kind of looking for a new job in in crypto. And that was kind of the thought process that I had when starting it. Like if you think about like legal the legal profession in crypto, like you'll think about a number of different lawyers in the space, like. Jake Travinsky, Stephen Paley, like folks like that. There are all these little different niches. I think that do an incredible job of like supporting or working in the space and it built really strong brands. And then when I thought about that, like there are so many people that are going to work in this industry and there's nobody right now that really comes front of mind to actually help people find jobs in the space. And that was kind of the, the point of, of Proof of Talent. I feel like your story, Rob, is like sort of a, a microcosm of advice we give so often on Bankless when people ask us, like, how do we get into the space? How do we get a job? And we, yep. we often say things like this, like, if you want to work for a protocol, give a protocol what it wants. You find out what a protocol wants, or you find out, in your case, what crypto wants. And what crypto really wanted was this niche of, 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 of talent, right? They didn't have a good way to get it. So you went and you, you filled that niche. Um, it's kind of a microcosm of what everyone needs to do if they're starting something in crypto and getting involved in cryptos to figure out what the holes are, what the crypto industry wants and, and go fill it. You, you were talking as well, uh, Rob, about sort of the, the opportunity size, like the, the size of the economy. And what I love is you started this in 2019, right? During like, still, it was a, a bear 
like market, right? People needed talent, but it was a lot smaller than it is now. Can you give us some sense of the size and the magnitude of the economic opportunity here? I don't even know how you'd measure this in terms of like number of you know, new jobs uh, per year that this industry is, is spitting out. I, I don't even know what, what how you'd measure it, but give us a sense of the size of this thing. Yeah, I think overall it's it's definitely like you know a large and impressive industry to be working in. Um, I think you can break it down to in a couple of different ways and in a couple of kind of different like subsectors. Like I I really when I like think about the industry overall, I, I do think about almost these like little subsectors or niches within the industry. Like the largest employer of the space uh, is and, and are like centralized exchanges and like the the financial firms behind it. So like the Coinbase's of the world have. Know, a thousand plus employees you have the dcgs and kind of all these companies that are building like traditional financial infrastructure on top of the kind of the the like crypto um like the, the crypto economic layer so like all those companies kind of have to adhere to the traditional regulations and because of that like the block of the world like block grew from 15 employees to like 500 plus um in two years it's crazy um, and it's it's incredible. So I think you have you know companies like that. You have I think a really like interesting kind of impact now with with these DeFi organizations where uh, I, I don't know how many people are on the core like Uniswap team. I know you mentioned Hayden Adams is coming on tomorrow. Like the the amount of of weight that something like Uniswap punches for like the amount of volume they do. They might have what 15 people on their core team, which is incredible in comparison to something like a Coinbase. Um, so there, there's definitely a number of like growing areas off the top of my head. I don't know the exact numbers of it, but it's definitely, I would say in like probably the 30 plus thousand range, probably, probably more than that. Um, but then I think you also have to consider there's full-time employees. There's, there's core contributors. There's, there's open source developers. There's, there's all sorts of people that are involved in this industry in one way or another, be it full-time or in a part-time capacity. Yeah, can, can you give us a sense too of another way to measure this, which is, and you kind of hinted at this by talking about BlockFi's growth, is like, what is the growth of this space? It's it just seems like it's absolutely massive. Is is you know, are we growing at a you know, a hundred percent, a thousand percent per year? And how does that ebb and flow with the market cycles? Yeah, so I I do think that hiring in the space is definitely cyclical. Um, you know, with the hiring where it was in 2019 when I started the business, it was it was nowhere near where we were right now. Um, and I think a lot of that is due to the kind of effect that the price of Bitcoin and the price of Ethereum do have on the actual hiring, both for centralized companies and on the on the flip side for more of these like DeFi focused or kind of decentralization focused companies. Because if you look at it in two ways on the side of the the larger companies, like I mentioned, the exchanges, most of those companies are making money on uh, trading volume as well as maybe like deposits, withdrawals, things of that nature. Um, and trading volume is through the roof in comparison to where it was previously. So their revenue is way up. Their customers, uh, the, the new accounts, those are way up. So they're hiring more in terms of legal compliance, customer service, like across the board, they're hiring. And then on the flip side, you have a lot of smaller companies and we kind of started noticing this last summer but you have a lot of these smaller organizations that are just starting up, um, be it kind of small DeFi projects or whatnot, but they're raising you know seed rounds to kind of help to start their, their development and things like that. So maybe they raised a $2 million, $3 million, $5 million seed round. And you're seeing a lot of hiring demand, both on the 
the kind of smaller end of the spectrum and then on the larger end of the spectrum too. But when you see the, the market pullback, I think on, on both ends of the spectrum, if it does, you know, at some point in time, who knows, um, you're going to see, you know, maybe less of a demand in the, in the client support, less of a demand also in terms of venture capitalists deploying capital into these smaller projects. So they're not going to be hiring as much maybe for the time being as well. So Rob, um, Proof of Talent has been around for almost two years now, which uh, congratulations. Um, and uh, to me, the, the whole entire crypto industry changed in March of 2021, when like the asset prices just like plummeted, then COVID hit. And it really, really seems to be there's been this pivot point since then. So my question to you, and you answered a little bit, and so maybe you've already covered a decent amount, but just to top it off, how has the market, the job market changed be as a result of this mo the recent developments of COVID, government stimulus, uh, money printer go burr? How has that changed? And then also, um, the other question I want, want to get to is like, are when, when uh, firms come to you to fill a position, are they coming to fill like one position or are they trying to like recruit an army or a whole division? Like what, what's been the, the representation around that? Yeah, so the, the hiring in the space has has picked up pretty substantially. It's been, I mean, it's been incredible to, to watch and kind of be uh, a, a participant in um, some of the companies. I mean, we work with really a full range and spectrum we work with about 40 plus different companies right now or projects and it's everything from two or three person DeFi startups that just raised their first seed round up to the probably a few largest exchanges and, and trading shops that are a thousand plus employees and kind of on the ipo path or or already public uh, so it definitely runs a, a full gamut as far as the, the types and size of of organizations that um you know we kind of work with I would say one of the things that was kind of helpful for us and especially in the crypto world in the post covid era is in crypto companies were able to very quickly pivot um some and actually a good amount of of firms were already or like were mostly let's say in physical locations but they had the capability to very quickly and easily go remote and I think that was something that the traditional financial world and a lot of traditional companies did not have the luxury of. Because when you think about all of these companies in the crypto space, like the oldest, most established companies that have been around for the longest were probably founded in 2012 or 2013. They have like brand new, fresh tech infrastructure. They're just very modern organizations. And then you maybe compare and contrast that with something like, you know, JP Morgan Chase and them of having their traders work from home. That is a much more different and a tougher experience to move those people home than it is to have, let's say, a large exchange like Coinbase just go kind of like fully distributed in the matter of a week. Like it's it's a very, it was a very easy process, I think, for pretty much every company we worked with and kind of push those individuals into going distributed, which was uh, a great thing to see. And I think also representative of like what the industry is trying to be in terms of like a distributed global industry it almost it almost helped to kind of accelerate that process for us so rob as as we switch kind of from the the macro to, to maybe the more the personal for the, yeah. for the listener who's who's wondering like okay what about me right what about me in this the, the first question i want i want to get to is um i think there's a lot of people in the bankless community who they have a full-time job and they're in crypto as a hobby. And sometimes that turns into an all-consuming hobby, as, as we all know. Uh, we call that falling down the crypto rabbit hole, obviously, right? Um, but I think a big question in, in people's minds is, how do they know if they're ready to take that leap into crypto? 
I, I want to talk about that. Like what advice would you give, right? Somebody who they love crypto, they eat and breathe it. They're, they're bored at their regular job. You know, crypto brings sort of the, the light back into their eyes and, but, but there's some risk there. And like, maybe that risk is compounded by the fact that they own so much crypto, right? A, a significant portion of their net worth is in crypto and they're attracted to this industry, but they're also worried about having an income source also reliant on it in addition to a significant portion of their net worth. Help us through the filtering process. What advice do you give for somebody who's, who's thinking about taking the plunge? Yeah, I, I am personally, and this is not even necessarily like proof of talent related, but this is even kind of going back to my experience at AirSwap. Um, and for me, it was not easy to find like a job in crypto. I was a software sales account executive that was selling accounting software to fintech companies in Manhattan. That is not something that like most crypto companies or projects needed. And I kind of had to like hustle my way. Literally the way I found the job at, at AirSwap um, was somebody tweeted about a YouTube interview and then somebody tagged me in it. And I had a conversation with one of the founders kind of prior to the YouTube, uh, the, the, the interview and I, and he was asking like what my, what my end game was. And I was like, I really want to work in this industry and I'd quit my job tomorrow. And like two weeks later, I quit my job after going in and interviewing with him a bunch. Um, but I, I really believe that if you work full-time in the industry, you receive some significant benefits that outweigh the potential risks of like the, I guess the, the perceived, the perceived risks of being in the crypto industry. Um, I think that you're able to build connections uh, with other individuals, with other organizations much easier than you are on like the quote unquote outside of the industry. I think that's hugely valuable, um, not only for just like having good like information, but I think also like um, once you're able to have that kind of connection and the, the different like layers of working within the industry, you're able to over time, maybe, maybe the first job you take in crypto isn't the best thing in the world, but you build 20 great connections and then you meet somebody and you end up kind of working at the, you know, the next place. I think that's one of the biggest things and, and one of the best things possible. And it's a lot easier once you're within the industry to, to make those moves than it is when you're kind of on the outside of it. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely like a big proponent of, of trying to, um, you know, make your way into the industry. I, I think you should still obviously be selective and not just kind of go for the first thing just to get into it. But I do think it's highly advantageous and kind of worth the risk reward of maybe being a little bit nervous about an industry that fluctuates, uh, you know, according to the price of the assets. Let me just say, Rob, I, I totally agree. And that's that's my story too. But what I found was like, I had to decide my time horizon for this industry, right? I was like, I'm going to join this industry, not with a one-year, two-year time horizon, not with a market cycle time horizon, but like, I'm going to spend the next 10 years in this industry, right? And I made that decision before coming into the industry. Like, I, I knew that. Which is committing um, to bear markets. It's committing to bear markets, right? Because I, I want you to also illustrate the flip side, because I totally agree with the, the net benefit case that you just made, right? Now, I would make the same case, I think David would too, and it's our stories. But- Sometimes I, I scratch my head and I wonder, oh, how much of this is survivorship bias, right? Uh -huh. Like, because talk about the pain 
<laughs> of a bear market because you've been through them. And the pain of a bear market, when you see kind of any net worth you had in crypto go down by 90%, right? But then you also, because you're in the industry, you feel the impact to your business and everything like tightens up and there's this sense of doom. Can you describe that? Because I want people who decide to commit to this to be ready for those kind of markets too. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with you. And I think part of it too is just like self-understanding and it's like looking within yourself and thinking like, do I really, really love this industry? Am I really passionate about it? Or am I just enjoying right now looking at Blockfolio and watching number go up and enjoying that? Because there's nothing wrong with that. Like it is addictive and it's an incredible dopamine hit. But like you should really understand like if this goes down, are you going to stick around? Are you really passionate or is it, you know, again, like, are you just kind of addicted to the dopamine hit of, of number go up? Um, because I think, like you said, I've, I've kind of been in both scenarios. I started, I basically joined AirSwap at the top in 2018 and worked there for a year and a half during the bear market and then started proof of talent somewhat in the bear market. And like, I hired my first employee, Colton, uh, shout out to Colton, who's, who's wonderful. Um, I hired him a week before COVID started. And so that was, that was a fun time having my first, first employee and like the first salary that I'm ever, ever responsible for in my life start, like when the world ended. So that was like, you, you know, you really have to be dedicated to it. You have to be passionate about it. And I do think that there were a ton of people in 2018 that joined the industry and didn't have that conviction and ended up leaving, uh, whether they stayed for six months, whether they stayed for a year, there were a lot of people that kind of came in. There were migrants. And <laughs> I mean, you, you can like, I, this is a kind of silly story, but like I was cleaning out my car. It was a few months ago and I found business cards from a conference I went to in Dubai um, for cryptocurrency. And <laughs> I think there were eight business cards and I went, I was just like curious. I was like, are any of these companies still in business? I think like <laughs> six, six out of eight didn't have websites that worked. So like there is, there are definitely a, a lot of migrants that come during a, during a bull market. And I think you just have to recognize that and kind of just have that self self-reflection of, of knowing like what you are and who you are in that process. Great advice from Rob here. Are you a tourist or a settler? I think that's the question you have to answer before you enter this space. Rob, we're, we're going to come back. Uh, we're going to do some advice for candidates, how to prepare a crypto resume. We're going to be back with all of that information for you. But first, we want to tell you about the sponsors that made this episode possible. If you are looking for a product that connects your fiat bank account with DeFi tokens and products, you need to download the Dharma mobile app. Dharma is a non-custodial smart contract wallet and comes with a bridge that connects you right into your bank account. Dharma is the fastest and most efficient wallet between your fiat in your bank account and any token on Uniswap or even any vault in Yearn. With Dharma, you can get over $25,000 per week into the DeFi universe and you can do it non-custodially. If you or anyone you know is hot on DeFi and you're trying to get your money into a DeFi investment, Dharma is the place to go. Signing up and going through KYC is an absolute breeze. It took me just under three minutes. And after signing into my bank account via Plaid, I am now just one transaction away from any token that Uniswap has to offer. Go to www.dharma.io. That's D-H-A-R-M-A.io. Download the Dharma app and get yourself unbanked today. 
If you want to live a bankless life, you need to get a Monolith DeFi Visa card. Monolith is both a one-two punch of an Ethereum smart contract wallet, as well as an accompanying Visa card that lets you spend the money that you have in your Ethereum wallet wherever Visa is accepted. It's really a fantastic tool that lets you use Ethereum for what it does best, which is holding and managing your financial assets, but also keeps you connected to the rest of the world's payment rails. Monolith also offers on-ramp services for getting your fiat money into the world of DeFi. So it's trivial to top up your Monolith card if ever you need to, and your deposited money goes straight into your non-custodial wallet. So your money is never held by a centralized intermediary because your Monolith wallet is native to Ethereum. Monolith helps you transcend both the legacy and the crypto worlds because the money that you hold in your Monolith wallet has the power of DeFi behind it. Swapping assets on Uniswap or earning yield in DeFi is at your fingertips. But with Monolith, so are the groceries at your grocery store or the coffee at your coffee shop. Go to monolith.xyz to sign up and get your Monolith Visa card today. All right, Bankless Nation, we are back with Rob Payone from Proof of Talent. And we are talking about the crypto economy and how to get a job in the crypto economy. I think so far we talked about the, the massive opportunity that is ahead for this industry. And we also talked about how to self-select, make sure that you are ready to get a job in this new exciting sphere. Now let's get to some of the practical advice here, Rob. So advice for candidates. Let's say someone listening here is curious about how to get a job in crypto, what it's like to work in crypto. How would you kind of break it down for them and what practical advice would you give them? Yeah, so I, I think like when I break down getting a job in crypto, I think you kind of have to break it down for two different audiences and one is technical and one is non-technical. And to be pretty frank, it, the, the opportunity or the ease of a technical individual, so a software engineer, someone along those lines, uh, to, for, for those individuals to find employment, uh, there is a severe imbalance between supply and demand on the engineering side of the house. And it is easier for a software engineer to find employment in the crypto space than somebody who is non-technical. To, to be a, let's say, a you know operations, biz dev, marketing, um, legal, there are more individuals. I think the supply and demand on is maybe flipped to where there's kind of a little bit, maybe more supply than there is demand from the company side. So you kind of have to do your best to stick out as a non-technical individual from a hiring standpoint. Um, but I think on both ends, ends of the spectrum, it really comes down to kind of proving your, your interest and being able to stand out amongst the crowd. And I think both of those do come down to just contributions in the space because it is very easy for a relatively discerning individual on an interview to determine if you are really passionate about the the crypto space or if you kind of like going back to the the previous conversation like a little bit more of a tourist um like there's a lot of times when 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 I'll have a conversation with somebody um and they are incredibly knowledgeable about the industry it seems like they know everything and then there's other times in which you talk to somebody and they say, yeah, you know, I, I bought a, bought a token in 2017, held it, you know, kind of have, have looked at things here or there and, and that's about it. And like, when you have those conversations, especially if you're on the hiring side as a company, um, I think those people are, are less appealing to those firms. Um, so it's, it's kind of doing what you can to have a, a really strong knowledge base. And I'm sure by an individual listening to, you know, podcasts like Bankless, things like that, like, 
that's one of the things just off the top that you can do that's really easy. And then on the flip side, as a technical individual, open source contributions are like the most uh, dead simple way to build your experience, credibility, uh, and and just kind of you know push your way into an opportunity within a job. Rob, just a quick question on that. So I, I'm curious. It sounds like when you talk to someone for the first time, you go through, you have a conversation with them, right? And you, what one of the things you're trying to do is separate the tourists from the settlers, right? As we talked about earlier, what kind of questions do you ask? I'm curious to to do that. Do you have any like the the key question that's going to tell you about this individual? Yeah, I mean, I even use this on internal interviews for when we're hiring for our team at Proof of Talent. And I just kind of ask, hey, you know, like what's most interesting to you in this, in like the blockchain space right now. And if somebody says like, Hey, you know, blockchain is, is overall really interesting. Like they're like, I'll sometimes get answers like that where, you know, blockchain is really interesting. Blockchain and I think it's tight. cool. And yeah, it's, it's dope. It's sweet, man. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not super informative. If somebody tells me something like I'm super interested in the DeFi space, I'm really interested in some certain element of, of kind of like, peer-to-peer cross-border payments if somebody says that they're super interested in the lightning network and can kind of go like if they're if if they show that they've really done any level of interest that's beyond surface level and can dive into that i don't necessarily care as much like what they're interested in as long as they just like show that true interest i think that's like what what i'm kind of looking for do you ever ask rob if they watch bankless or not that's got to be I, tough. I have, I have not, <laughs> but I do think I do think podcasts are. I mean, obviously, like one of the one of the best ways to to kind of stay abreast with with what is going on in the industry and for an industry that moves so fast. Um, you know, consuming content is a really good way. You know, whether it's newsletters, podcasts, YouTube videos. Um, I mean, that's all a helpful way to stay involved with what's happening now. Clubhouse is, I guess, a big thing too. Um, so there's, there's, there's a variety of ways to just kind of stay up to date with what's going on. Yeah, that's, wow. That's really, really good advice and advice that I definitely resonate with because the only, the way that I broke into crypto back in 2017 and 2018 is I just slammed my head into content that I didn't understand until I finally understood it. And then all of a sudden I was the one teaching and that's things just snowballed from there. Um, so, so, so Rob, you, you said that, you know, engineers and developers, they have a pretty easy time getting a job. Uh, the less technical, they don't, they don't have that same sort of like tailwinds behind them, uh, but they can make up for that just by being super passionate. But what about um, characteristics or features of candidates or just dispositions that are shared universally? And I, and I think one of those answers was, you know, content consumption and being passionate. Uh, is there anything else that we can talk about that just is a universal positive for candidates? Yeah, so I, I think having something that proves you are passionate, that is like, like rock solid and, and concrete, and what I mean by that is, you know, even in just conversation, like you can maybe blow somebody away on the phone, but maybe your resume doesn't really stand out. But if you have a, a medium page where you've written a couple, it, it can be like, I feel like there are literally people in the industry who have started and kickstarted careers with like one well-crafted medium post. Um, so it can be a, a few blogs on medium that are incredibly well-written, or it can be contributions on GitHub. Um, there are a number of different ways in which you can kind of kickstart your way into uh, into really participating. But I think having that just concrete evidence is really what you want. Um, and so if you're non-technical, I think some of that comes down to writing or just building networks. You've even seen, I think there have been people, I want to say uh, it was recently 
Uh, I think he worked in the industry previously, but like when I, I think it was Nick Chong got hired at Parify Capital and they had mentioned in the announcement post that every time that they were in a discord, he was already in the discord. <laughs> um, and like, he was, he was just always ahead of the game. Like something like that as simple as I think people notice that and people are hiring. They notice when people are passionate, they notice when they're kind of going, uh, you know, above and beyond in terms of like due diligence or their research or whatnot. So, um, I think it's, it's going to kind of have that, that level of, of evidence that you've kind of put the time and the effort in so that when somebody asks you, you can kind of just say, Hey, here, you know, like, I'm not even just saying this, like here, I, I, I can prove it right now. That goes back to like what a crypto resume might look like these days. Right. So like, I, you know, maybe the traditional world, your resume is this like you two sheet document that, that you put out as a PDF or like your LinkedIn profile or something like that. Um, I get the sense that in crypto, your resume looks a little different. We actually put out a, a post not too long ago, and this is a little probably into the future. Uh, but the, the thesis was, Hey, your ETH address is also a resume. Like what DeFi protocols have you used? What DAOs are you a part of, right? Like what have you deployed in terms of smart contracts from your ETH address? I'm not sure that we're quite there yet fully, but there are other artifacts that have to make up, um, a, a resume is not just a, a document. What is a good crypto resume? Well, uh, to that point, I think this is, this is funny. This has just kind of started to happen a little bit recently, but, um, I guess, Two different things uh, come to mind. So number one, I thought this was really interesting uh, when Larry Cermak at The Block put out a quiz in Telegram that was basically how well you knew the industry. It was 75 questions. And that's kind of how they, I believe, found their intern uh, or interns. And it also kind of had a viral element because everybody was sharing their score. Um, so I thought that was that was like a, an ingenious way. And I, and I don't know if the virality of that was intended or even expected, but it was it was really cool to see. And then in addition to that, you saw, I think it was, was it Atomic Blue with the DeFi DGen score where you just hooked yeah. up your, you hooked up your ETH address and you got a <laughs> score based upon how much of a degenerate you were basically yield farming and getting rugged and all that. Um, and we've had people that have submitted their resumes and sent us messages and be like, hey, my DeFi DGen score is this. And no like, way. Yeah, no, that absolutely. And I think that is that is something where, you know, you're really seeing like the the kind of like proliferation of some of like the more um, it's it's not like I, I don't think, let's say, for like example, if you wanted to go work at a centralized exchange, they're not going to care that much about your DeFi DGen score. But we, <laughs> we, do, we do have crypto funds that we work with that are very much native crypto funds that are super deep in the weeds on DeFi and kind of, you know, participating in yield farming and kind of all these on-chain activities, they very much care about that. And it's pretty, pretty funny to see that take place. And just like the third kind of last, last piece, um, I tweeted about this last week, but we got our first resume ever. And it was somebody that, that had a crypto punk on the top of their resume. And it just like, it cracked me up so much that they had their crypto punk like icon listed on the top of, of the resume next to their name. Um, that's kind I, of a flex. It. That's kind that's of a, a flex, flex, Rob. Yeah, that that's not just, you know that's like flashing your Rolex these days. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's it's probably worth about ten times a Rolex at this point. <laughs> Rob, what about um, social media and, and LinkedIn? Because I've personally yeah. I've never been a big fan of LinkedIn. Never really resonated me, and I've actually personally found much more. Uh, uh, alignment with Twitter. And I kind of say like, well, Twitter is my LinkedIn, but I do understand that a lot of people also pay attention to LinkedIn. How do, how do Twitter, LinkedIn and other social media platforms play in the, in the role of getting a job? 
Yeah, I, I think they're both uh, helpful. Uh, for I mean, for me personally, I have much greater effect with Twitter. I have a, a larger, I guess, following. I, I, I speak to a lot more people on, on Twitter. I think it depends upon kind of like who you're going for, the audience. We still recruit a lot of people. We pay LinkedIn a ton of money on an annual basis for their corporate recruiting product. And we find a lot of people through LinkedIn. So we use that to great effect, add proof of talent. Um, but I think it also depends upon like who you're looking for and kind of who you're who you're hiring. And even to that effect, like Travis Kling, who runs uh, Ikijai, um, if I'm even pronouncing that right, probably Ikigai not. I always mess up yeah. the mm-hmm. Ikigai. I always mess up the pronunciation of it. But he he posted uh, something about you know having people from traditional finance come into the to the crypto space, and there's a huge need for it. And then he listed my email address in the post on on LinkedIn. And I got like a hundred LinkedIn connections and like 50 emails from, from Travis doing that. So I think like, you know, for something like traditional finance or people in traditional industries, LinkedIn is still probably incredibly effective and it is still effective for us in recruiting, but a lot of people hate LinkedIn and they just want to be on Twitter all day. And I think, you know, whatever you like to use, use. Can we talk about where the the talent beds are then, Rob, for for a minute? Because I think this is interesting. Um, I've been actually surprised over the years about how how few uh, technical talent comes from places like Silicon Valley, which like traditionally that has been like no doubt there 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 are many developers who come from that area, but um, they've been reticent to to kind of join. It's it's sort of like we see this innovation in areas outside of traditional tech sectors, but there is a bed of talent there. So if you're speaking to an engineer coming from like Facebook or Google, and these are some of the top engineers in the world, uh, do, is, is there sort of a, a sales job you have to do on, on, on why to join crypto? And I guess the, also the same question for people in traditional finance. So like Wall Street might be the, the hub of talent for this mm-hmm. industry. Are they starting to flock into crypto or is it still sort of a, to get the top tier Google engineers and the top tier Wall Street quant trade finance people, it's still, we still have to kind of sell them on, on why crypto. I think you, I think there's definitely a sales process. Um, and I think for, you know, in certain scenarios, if somebody is working at a Google or a Facebook and is coming to the crypto industry, they're depending upon the size of the company. Like if you're going to work at Coinbase right now from Facebook or Google, Coinbase is about to IPO. They very much have product market fit. They are a very established company. They're not going anywhere. Um, if, and if you're at Facebook or Google, you're probably like as an engineer, I don't want to say you're like not doing all that much, but I, I do think that there's this interesting perception now where I've even seen people talking about it on Twitter in kind of the Silicon Valley space where like 10 years ago, I would have wanted an engineer from Google. Now I don't want an engineer from Google because that person isn't, is like too risk averse in comparison to what we're looking for. So wow. I think that is, that is like an overall interesting dynamic. I think most of the time a, a startup would love to have somebody from Google but when you also think about the compensation, the the compensation packages for a lot of these engineers, I mean, in crypto, it's very competitive, but like Facebook and Google are, are paying out the nose for these engineers when it comes to the base salary to, you know, to RSUs, to all that type of stuff. Um, I do think within the, you know, the Wall Street world, there's definitely a lot of interest from traditional fin- financial talent. I think maybe even more so than some of the technologists in Silicon Valley, depending upon where, you know, depending upon kind of the, 
um, the types of roles or the types of companies, but we see a ton of interest from traditional finance. Um, and it's interesting too, because I think you'll see in some cases, some, some older folks in the traditional finance world, maybe kind of, uh, and not old, older isn't in your forties or, or fifties, but you know, people that have been in the, in the space for, you know, 15, 20, 25 years, kind of looking at the opportunity within crypto and thinking like, Hey, this is kind of, you know, a, a part two, a, a second chapter of my career. And I think a lot of individuals kind of in that, in that space are really excited after they feel like, you know, they've kind of done all that they can within the, you know, within the traditional wall street realm. Rob, are people also coming here for the mission, right? There's obviously massive opportunity, but how many people are like, screw the banks. Like we want to disrupt traditional finance. We want to decentralize web two. this crypto thing. This is about more than opportunity and money. This is a movement for me. Are there many people joining due to that? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think that honestly, when that's one of the things that I like to find out when I talk to a, a job candidate is, is what are you interested in? One of the questions I ask is some people are super interested and passionate in Ethereum and they are very much in kind of the, you know, the decentralized, uh, you know, in the kind of decentralization camp, they want to work in a DeFi project, what, whatever have you. Um, some people we talk to are very much like hardcore Bitcoiners and they want to work for Bitcoin only startups. Um, some people only want to work for established companies that are profitable, have clear product market fit, um, and they know are not going to disappear when they can't you know, raise their next round of funding during the bear market. So I think there are a variety of, of like types of individuals when it comes down to their risk tolerance, their interests. And that's one of the things that like we as a recruiting company have to do is figure out like what makes you as an individual tick and, and what companies would be the best kind of match for that. Because there are a lot of places that, you know, you can find employment within the space where you can be very much mission focused. Maybe it's a little bit more of a risk in terms of your career, because maybe that company is not profitable. Maybe that company, um, you know, is kind of dependent upon the next round of funding, or there could be a variety of things there. But if that's what you're passionate about, then, then you should go for that, you know? Rob, I want to turn the conversation to specifically about hiring in the Ethereum and DeFi ecosystem, because I think the game has really been changed in Ethereum as a result of DeFi summer, where a lot of DAOs, protocols, teams realize that there are new viable ways to issue tokens that generate treasuries. And now all of a sudden there's these multi-sigs of like seven people that have hundreds of millions of dollars and they're looking for contributions in this space. Uh, so with, with regards to uh, teams and applications that are using proof of talent to hire out for specifically DeFi stuff and Ethereum stuff. How does that process, how is that process unique and different from, you know, the crypto banks or, or the Bitcoin only bros or, or stuff like this? How is, how is DeFi and Ethereum hiring different from the rest of the ecosystem? Yeah, it's been, it's been a really interesting trend because, um, like you said, it is very different when you have some of these, I don't want to call them, com I don't know if you call them companies, projects, DAOs, whatever you want to call them. Um, but they have, you know, very much like community led governance. Perhaps they might have to have some type of governance proposal before they can actually bring somebody on board to pay them a salary out of the treasury. So it is a, it's something that I kind of noticed, like you said, maybe in the summer and kind of following that once a lot of that money was raised, where I, I started seeing now, I was like, hey, like, I don't know if we're going to have to adjust how we do business or just kind of adapt that model. But we've been able to work with some of those, uh, you know, with some of those projects, with some of those DAOs um, and, and kind of start to do that. And 
just accept whatever, you know, if it's USDC or something along those lines, kind of have the same model on our end, but understanding that like this company probably doesn't have a legal entity or, you know, might not have a legal entity in the U S and they're only going to be able to pay in crypto. And I think just overall, it's still kind of a similar process in terms of the, the hiring where there's usually some type of product lead internally, who's helping to make decisions, who's helping to kind of figure out who the best uh, people to to kind of bring onto the core team would be, but it is a really uh, I think fascinating trend because you, you I I don't think it's going to overtake like centralized companies, but it's definitely going to be there in addition to, and it will probably grow in popularity as as things kind of continue on this way. What advice do you have for DAOs that have uh, managed to successfully go and find a candidate to work for them versus uh, others? Because, you know, DAOs are very, very like loose term. Some DAOs are organized differently than others. Uh, what have you seen has worked for DAOs who are looking for labor? Um, how, how do they delegate responsibility? How do they ever overcome all of these like hurdles? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question, I think, kind of going back to the to the question around or like the, the subject around personal preference of whether somebody wants to kind of like, you know, get, you know, basically kind of replace the banks and kind of is a mission driven person. I do think that there are kind of two different types of candidates when it comes to this, where you have some folks that are, let's say, you know, married individuals with, with kids and they have a mortgage and they have a number of responsibilities. And if they were to accept a job with a DAO in which they were paid a certain number of USDC via a sablier contract, you know, once a month, their spouse would look at them and probably slap them across the face. Um, there are other people who are a little bit more risk averse or not, excuse me, uh, or they're a little bit more open to kind of that type of risk and say, you know what, hey, I'm, I'm fine working with this DAO. I'm incredibly passionate about this project. I don't need the health benefits from this. Like you're probably, you're probably not, if you're working for a DAO, you're probably not getting health benefits. You're probably not getting a 401k. You're probably not getting the traditional trimmings that come with a standard company. And some people don't care. They're, they're, they're happy to work with an organization or a DAO or whatever it might be that they're passionate about and can contribute to if they're, you know, paid a fair amount. Uh, and I think that's, that's kind of the, the interesting thing. Cause again, I think some people sounds maybe great in theory, but they'd have no interest in doing it. And other people would take that jump in a second. What about from specifically the DAO side? Like say a DAO like Yam or Yearn or somebody came to you guys and be like, yo, we need this role filled. How can DAOs help make your job easier to make their job of finding the good candidate easier? Yeah, so I think part of it is is the the project itself. It's it's a lot easier to sell somebody on, uh, you know, it's, it's easier to sell a developer or to sell somebody else on I guess, employment within a DAO or participation within a DAO, if you're kind of a full-time or contract employee, if there is some element of traction, if there is a product there already, um, and you can kind of be able to match that. I think the earlier it is, there's, there's kind of an interesting, um, and you know, I think it makes sense, but with a lot of these smaller, like let's say DeFi projects or DAOs or things like that, a lot of it is, is started by people that are friends or they have kind of, you know, loose connections and they, they have mutual passions. And the difficulty and usually like where proof of talent comes in with those smaller companies is when they've tapped out their personal network and all the engineers that they know they've already spoken to, maybe they brought a few on board and they're like, once they've gotten to the point where they've kind of outgrown the personal network, it's like, all right, where do we go next? And that's a lot of the times where we come in. And I think, you know, if you get, if you get to that point and you do have traction, 
that is one of the the better places. So whether that's TVL participation, um, you know, a certain size of the token market cap, I don't know, just anything to point to and say like, hey, candidate, this is something that is actually legit. And this isn't just like you're coming to you know, quit a job and work for a white paper or something like that. <laughs> Rob, well, I'm, I'm, it's been very, very fun watching the growth at Proof of Talent. And, and thank you for coming on and sharing us what, what you've learned here with the, with the Bankless Nation. I want to ask this final question, this very broad question. Say a listener has, they've just got into Bankless last couple, like six months or so, six months or less, brand new to crypto, trying to get their head wrapped around it. And maybe they've already decided that like this industry is their industry. They just don't know what they can contribute yet. Say, say you're one of these individuals. Uh, can someone who wants to get a job in crypto get a job in crypto by the end of this market cycle if this market cycle goes and for roughly the same amount of time like the, the last market cycle did? Yes, I, I think so. I think that, uh, you know, you really want to not take no for an answer. I think that there are a lot of people that say they want a job in this space. Maybe they, you know, put out a couple applications, but network hustle, follow up with people, have conversations, provide value to other individuals without any expectation of getting value back. Like if you go out and you put in a lot of effort and you really truly are trying to make things happen, like I do have confidence that the vast majority of people would be able to have success doing that. And I think a lot, I've seen a ton of people do that where they just go out, they hustle, they hustle and you know, you're going to get rejected and it's going to happen. But if you just kind of continue on in that process, and learn every single time and get better. Um, whatever your skill set is, whether it's engineering, sales, biz dev, marketing, operations, legal, like doesn't really matter. Just kind of continue on in that process and learn from every rejection, and eventually it's going to happen for you. Um, and so I, I think, yeah, overall you can you can really make it happen if you don't take no for an answer. Rob Payone, formerly Crypto Bobby, <laughs> it's been a pleasure to have you, sir. You you, you heard the man. Decide first if you are a tourist or a settler. Once you've made that decision, hustle, 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 join communities, give protocols what they want. That's how you establish a career in this exciting industry. I know I speak for David and myself. We wouldn't be anywhere else. This is the most fun I've ever had, like doing anything. It is a great industry. Crypto culture um, but it's is not tight. without its challenge. Yeah, crypto culture is awesome. Um, you know what? I'm Rob, I'm, I'm going to ask this question of uh, Crypto Bobby, not Rob Payone, actually. Yeah. So Let's go. You were here in 2017, Crypto Bobby. What uh, What is this bull market cycle going to look like? Are we going to repeat 2017? Is this going to be different? Give, give it to us Crypto Bobby style. This is the bonus content. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I, I really don't. I, I am... So I guess for context real quick, like I, in 2013, I bought Bitcoin and I lost interest because I bought the top at $800, $1,000. It drew down 75%. And when 2017 came around, I kind of got back into it. But like when that bear market happened in 2017, I looked back at the number of opportunities I missed between 2014 and 2017 because I lost interest. And I kind of looked at that and I was like, you know what? I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna exit this again. I'm never gonna lose interest in it again. I'm always gonna keep my eye on the ball. And I think because of that outlook between 2017 and 2021, where we're at now, I've been able to to be successful, um, you know, in the in I guess in the crypto space. And I would just advise like anybody that just continue to keep your eye on the ball, and your like good things will happen, good opportunities will happen, like. 
all you have to do was use Uniswap to get, like, to basically get a new car or <laughs> use Tornado Cash or like, like just the number of things that you receive and opportunities that, that happen in the crypto space just by using these products, keeping your eye on the ball, good things will come to you. The bull market seems to be when people that suffered through the bear markets finally cash out on all of their stress and blood and sweat and tears that they toiled to get through it. So I can def definitely resonate with that. Rob, thank you so much for coming on at the Bankless State of the Nation and sharing some of your experiences with, with us. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Guys, I feel like we got a dual interview there. One with Rob Payon, the last question for Crypto Bobby. Of course, risks and disclaimers, Bankless Nation. Crypto is risky. Bitcoin is, ETH is, DeFi is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. Maybe you can get a job out west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the Bankless journey. Thanks a lot.